and a very big welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend here at Victory Life Church Online. For those of you I haven't met yet, my name is Pastor Craig and I'm really excited about what God has been telling us through this two-part series we've been in called Fierce. Let's pray together and then we'll jump into this weekend's message. Father, we thank you so very much that we can come together from wherever we are in the world We can completely immerse ourselves in worshiping you right from our our favorite armchair, right from our favorite coffee shop. From wherever we are in the world, we can be church. Thank you for pulling us together. Thank you for bringing us together and teaching and leading us. Father, we declare you our God and there is no other. We love you and we want to hear from you today. Open our hearts and our minds. We are willing and ready to hear from you. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. Well, if you missed it, Fierce One is already up and available on the, on the app and on the website. And so thank you so much for joining us here at Victory Life Church for Fierce Number Two. If you're joining us here in the room, a very big welcome to you. And for those of you who are at home, thank you so much for being with us today. As we jump into the, today's message, Fierce Two, I just thought it would be good to recap what we learned last weekend. Now remember last weekend, we said that there were three reasons why people would stop short of achieving all that they have been asked by God to do. The first reason was that our perspective gets blocked. Sometimes we are looking and we are looking towards the problem and we're not looking towards the solution. We're looking towards the problem and we've got so close to the problem that we can't see how big our God is. Remember those Israelites walking around the city of Jericho. They got so close to those walls, they got concerned that the walls were too big and they didn't see the size of their God. And remember we said, if you want to change your perspective, there's fundamentally three things you need to do. The first is you need to worship the promise keeper. You need to worship the promise keeper. The second thing we said is that you must fellowship with other people who believe that God is standing alongside them. And finally, you need to know and stand on the promises of God. That is how you get your perspective realigned. The second thing that we said to get our, our, ourselves going, to move forward, to be fierce, to attack life and not let life attack us, is that we need to know that our progress isn't always going to be obvious. And remember we said that any form of obedience, any form of obedience is progress. And that's what this week's message is all about. Make sure that we are quite happy that the progress with God is always progress, even though sometimes it's not obvious. Maybe you are in your fifth day around the city of Jericho, around your problem. Maybe you're coming home to your wife and you're having to say as a warrior, well, not much happened today. Well, with God, when you're obedient, every day something is happening. The third thing we needed to get our minds around is that with God, because He's given us eternity, because He's given us forever, that the process is always open-ended. What God wants to do in us has to happen before God does something for us. Can I say that again? Remember we said that if God wants to do what God wants to do in us has to happen before God does something for us. 
Well, today, whatever day you are in walking around your city of Jerusalem, whether you are on day one, whether you are on day seven, whether you are on day five, walking around this problem that you've got, the situation that you find yourself in, today I hope and pray that you have been enabled because we've discussed how you can lift yourself up to go another lap, to go another turn around the problem. Remember, our entire theme of this message series is knowing and understanding that God is a fierce warrior. He is the most fierce warrior, according to Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse 11. And here's the thing. Here's the kicker. He's standing right alongside you. The most fierce warrior in all of the universe has decided to come along and side up with you. That means that we can pray when we don't see answers. That means we can show up when we think no one will be missing us. That means that we can give when we feel the need and we don't see any provision. Because you know what? You have come too far in your journey with this fierce warrior to give up now. Can I say that again? Despite your circumstance, despite your situation, God has already done so much in you. He's already come and brought you this far. Why would you stop now? Why would you think that the fierce warrior who has already done so much for you is now going to stop working in your current circumstance? This may have to be the last lap around the walls before your problem comes crumbling down. But now, when we are about to be at the brink of God's fierce, ferocious attack on the problem, why is it that we would give up at the last? No, now is the time for you to press through. You need to stand on the fact that when we cannot see God working around us, He is most assuredly working within us. And so as we begin this journey today, have this girded about your heads and your minds and your thought processes. Know that the fierce warrior of God is working in you so that he can accomplish that which is needed to be done around you. Jeremiah 20.11 brought us last time to Hebrews 10.36. You need to persevere if you wish to see the perfect will of God in your life. Remember, we said that if we know that we've got this fierce warrior, the most fierce warrior on our side, we can persevere. But not only are we persevering based on his ferocity, we are persevering because the fierceness that God is will rub off on us. It will become our fierceness. You see, God wants you to receive that perfect will. He wants you to watch the walls of your problem come crumbling down. He wants to take you on to the next battle. He wants to keep you keep growing with you. He wants to keep pushing you forward so that you can be building faith in this almighty God despite your circumstance. And because of that, because of his desire to see the perfect will established in your life, he is going to give you some of his fierceness. He's going to give you some of his ferocity. Now, When we have a look at today's message, you see, God will never, ever, ever push His will on us. He wants us to press forward, but He will never force us forward. He wants us to obey His command to march. He wants us to obey His command to carry on. He wants us to obey His command to push forward, to go ahead but he needs us to be obedient. You see, when we want to know where good things come from, a lot of people often say, oh, they come from God. God is the provisor of good things. You see, God spoke good things into being through his promises, and we extract the good things from those promises through obedience to those promises. 
Obedience is what will bring good things in your life. Your grace has been taken care of for you. Your eternity has been taken care of for you. But the blessings and the walls coming down around your problems will only come through your obedience to the promises of God. Obedience makes good things happen. When I think about obedience, I think about a guy that we know in Scripture called the Apostle Paul. Wow, what a story of listening to God and changing his life according to what God asked him to do. The Apostle Paul's story doesn't start when he was called Paul. No, the Apostle Paul's story starts when he was called Saul, and he was a persecutor of the Christians. He went to great lengths to obey God. He went to great lengths to listen to God. But all of that only started happening once Jesus himself had appeared to Paul. Once Jesus himself had appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, Paul had to change his life, stop persecuting the Christians, and start being obedient not to his desires, but to God's desires. He was a man that went to great length to press on, to push forward, and get done, the things done, and not recoil in defeat. He was a man where defeat was not an option, because he knew that the ferocious, fierce God, the most high warrior, was on his side. And so when we have a look at Paul, we're going to jump into a story where Paul's in a little bit of a bind. We're going to go to the book of Acts, and we're going to have a look at the story where Paul is in transition and he's in trouble. Are you going through that right now? Are you, is your life in a bit of transition or are you in a little bit of trouble? Whether that transition or trouble was brought on because of you or not because of you, it doesn't matter. Are you in your situation right now in transition or in trouble? Because you see, through obedience, if you are in transition or in trouble, that is when God can bring about the greatest transformation. When you are in transition or you're in trouble like Paul was in the story we're about to read, this is when God, when you are obeying Him, when you're listening to Him, despite the transition, despite the trouble, that is when God can transform things. That is when God can make walls of cities come tumbling down. So we're going to jump into the story in Acts chapter 27. It's near the end of Acts and Paul is on a cruise. Paul is cruising the Mediterranean. He's on a boat to Rome. He's on his way there, and he's not going to Rome on this boat to get some Italian takeout or try some good pizza or, or test the, the Italian wine. He's not going to an Italian wine-tasting um, environment. No, what he's doing is he's on his way. He's not uh, even cruising the Mediterranean on the Princess of the Seas. No, he's on the road, or on, not on the road, he's on the seas because he is a prisoner. And he is in this boat with 275 other prisoners, and they are on their way to Rome. He is in transition and he is in trouble. And then while he's in this transition and in trouble, on top of all of that transition and trouble, he encounters a problem that was out of his control. Have you ever had that to happen to you? I, I think my parents used to say, it never rains, but it pours. 
You, you have one issue that you're dealing with, one situation that you have to deal with, one problem that you're going through, and you're just getting to understand the magnitude of this problem, and another problem hits you. And this one has got nothing to do with you. It's just completely unexpected. Maybe you're dealing with some financial issues and you're really trying to get your finances together and, and really you've, you've got a lot of debt and you're trying to sort that out and then all of a sudden another family member falls deeper into debt and they turn to help ask you for help. Just when you think that your transition and your trouble may just be manageable by your own logic, another problem comes along that's unexpected. Have a look at what happened to Paul in Acts chapter 27 and verse 29. Sorry, and verse 9. Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, dot, dot, dot. Paul advised them. The conditions were going pear-shaped. Paul knew that because of the season that they were in, that this boat was going to get into trouble. Paul reveals later on in the scripture that God himself had warned him that this boat was going to get into trouble. And Paul comes along and now he's in transition and he's in trouble and the conditions are not ideal. The storms are going to come and they're going to be out of his control. You see, Paul is in a very similar situation probably to you and to I. Conditions are out of control. You can see that the way your life is going, you're rushing headlong towards a storm. You, 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 can't, you, you can't control yourself. You, you, things are so out of control. Things are so out of whack that you know that what's going on around you is trouble and transition. But all of this trouble and transition is making you free fall towards another problem. In fact, your conscience is so trained to the Word of God that the Word of God is even warning you that in your transition and your trouble, if you're not obedient, you are going to rush headlong towards a storm. And Paul knows this. He knows that we are now, they are now rushing headlong towards the storm. Acts chapter 27 and verse 10 continues. He says this when he advises them, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Paul here knows of the problem. He's dealing with his own issues, the transition and the trouble. He's dealing with all of these other issues, and he looks at the ship and the situation that they're in, and he tells the men around him, these other 275 prisoners and the centurions around him, he says, hey men, this is going pear-shaped fast. This is not what I intended to do today. This is not what I needed to com comprehend today. This is not what I needed to go through today. And he stands up and he says, hey, I know this is wrong. I know I can just feel it in, my, in the bottom and the pit of my stomach that this is not right. Something is going to go wrong. We are going to end in disaster. Ever had that feeling? Ever had that situation? Ever, ever been frustrated because you know what you know is right, but no one else wishes to listen to you? You know what you know is right. You know that this is not the right course of action. This is not the right journey we should be on. This is not the right boat we need to be in. I might be in transition and I might be in trouble, but I really don't want to add to my woes by getting involved with something else. 
And Paul is trying to tell these guys, he's trying to warn these guys that, hang on, this is not going to end well. We better change it. We better do something differently. But you'll notice in verse 11 that nevertheless, it starts off in verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than the things spoken to him by Paul. So the centurion standing guard over these 275 men, he, he, he can't comprehend that Paul would know more than the helmsman and the owner of the vessel. He was persuaded by the fact that Paul was a prisoner, and here was the owner and the helmsman. Can you imagine the frustration of, of the Apostle Paul? Can you imagine the frustration knowing what God has told him, knowing what God has said to him, knowing what God has shared with him about the destiny of this voyage, and no one wants to listen? The frustration, the absolute frustration of knowing what is right, knowing what is righteous, but seeing unrighteousness prevail. Wow. I can think of a few instances in my life where I've been in situations where, yes, I might have been in transition and in trouble, but all of this other flux that was happening in my life, number one, I had nothing to do with it. I couldn't control the storm. And then when I warn people, when I, when I don't want to do what I, what I think is right or wrong or I wrestle with what's going on in my life, it doesn't always end up that way. How many times have we sometimes had an intention of, of being good to somebody and it's translated into bad, it's translated into something wrong, it's taken the wrong way, it's perceived as being attacking. And we go, what, what just happened? I don't understand how the storm it, I was, I was meaning right, I was meaning good. But no one would listen. No one will hear. And we get this unrighteous frustration or this righteous frustration that happens because no one will listen to us. But let's have a look for a moment at the centurion who was persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship rather than the things spoken by Paul. He could either listen to the preacher, which in his mind was a prisoner, or he could listen to the owner and the helmsman. The preacher versus the nautically schooled ship, owner, ship manager, ship pilot, or the owner who had all the money and was bankrolling this whole operation. Paul was on that boat because he was being obedient. Paul was there because he was walking with God. Paul was there because the fierce God was right alongside him. He had never looked left or right since that moment on the Damascus Road. He knew that he was walking right there on that boat. He was on that, in that situation because he had a God-ordained purpose to be there. Paul was there because he listened and obeyed the voice of God. And yeah, amongst all of doing all of the right things, doing all of the things for God and being obedient, number one, he was in transition and trouble, and now he was facing a storm. And on top of that, no one would listen to him. He had the voice of the Most High God on the inside of him, and no one would listen. They were persuaded by money. They were persuaded by human eloquence. They were persuaded by human knowledge, but they would not be persuaded by the Word of God. That's what the, the story tells us. You see, the centurion was listening to logic. He was listening to human reason. 
He was listening to scientific theories. He was listening to other people's ideas who he thought knew more than him. He was listening to lawmakers who seemed to think that they can weigh in and tell us who it is we can marry and who we can't marry. We, we, we need to be swayed by what lawmakers are telling us that this is what the, your sexuality can be and is not. You see, there are certain things that God has ultimate authority over. And when we are persuaded to take authority over those things, we are going to land ourselves in a storm. We cannot expect to take authority over our marriages. We cannot expect to take authority over our sexuality. We cannot expect to take authority over our families, over our worship, over the things that God has authority over, and not expect to rush in our trouble and in our transition, not expect to rush headlong towards a storm. God has ordained certain things, and He has given us authority over certain things. But He's also ordained His Son to have authority over other things. His Word has authority over much greater things. And so this entire structure of authority has been set up in our lives. The Word of God trumps everything. It has the ultimate authority. And here was a group of people, pretty much like you and I, when we're rushing towards a storm, they were getting caught up in listening and being persuaded to by other people who it seemed had authority over these things, but didn't. God has authority over certain things, and we should never, ever be persuaded by logic, by financial indicators, by other people's ideas, by other people's books, by other people's words, by other people's thought processes. No, we are only persuaded by the Word of God. The centurion had the Word of God in the form of Paul, telling him what the Word of God was, and he couldn't listen. He didn't see it. No, he was persuaded by the ship helmsman and the owner. He was persuaded by what seemed like the right authority, but he wasn't persuaded by the fierce warrior commandments, the fierce warrior commands to move forward, drop back, go left, go right. He wasn't persuaded by the word of God. God, when it comes to certain things, is not asking. He's not begging. He is telling Marriage is this. He tells us what it is. Sexuality is this. He tells us what it is. Relationship in your families. He tells it what it is. The bride of Christ, the church. He tells us what it is. He's not asking us. And the reason he's not asking us is he knows that nine times out of ten in our human world, we are going to be in some transition and we're going to be in some trouble. And when we start delving in to taking over authority that belongs to God in our state of transition and in our state of trouble, we are going to royally rush in towards a storm and mess it up. He needs us to just simply go, yes, sir, fierce warrior. If that's what you tell me to do, no ifs, ands, and buts. I'm not going to be persuaded by anybody. And when I take a decision to obey you, I'm not going to retract that decision tomorrow because somebody tells me I'm being a fool. Will you obey today? Will you say, yes, fierce warrior? You are by my side and I trust you. Tell me what to do. Tell me what it means I will sail where you blow me. I will go where you ask me to go. I will go not by my senses, but by your spirit. I will listen to you. I'm not going to be persuaded by anybody else. Your word has the ultimate authority in my life. 
instead of listening to what the voice of God says, because, let's face it, sometimes the voice of God doesn't make sense. Sometimes when we're looking at the situation and God says, love your enemies, when they've just hurt us and injured us, it kind of doesn't make sense. And sometimes we rely and we are persuaded by other things because we don't understand. Because a lot of times it doesn't make sense. We're listening to what our own senses say. When we can't make sense of God's word, we rely on our own senses just because it's something we don't understand. The centurion didn't understand Paul was saying we're rushing headlong towards a storm, but the owner of the boat and all of the logic and the pilot were going, we're good. We're good to go. So rule number one about obeying God, it doesn't need to make sense. It doesn't need to be understandable. Living life by what makes sense stops you from becoming a person of strong faith. Living life, sitting back going, well, until it makes sense, I'm not moving, is always going to keep you still. And if you're not moving, you're settling for mediocrity, not greatness, not fierceness, not great warriorness. It didn't make sense for Jericho to fall after Joshua led the people around and around the city. It didn't make sense when Moses was told to stretch out his rod over the Red Sea. It didn't make sense when Daniel sat in a den with lions discussing what their next meal would be because it wouldn't be him. It didn't make sense for Jesus to put himself up on the cross and to look down at those who put him there and say to his father, forgive them, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. It didn't make sense when on the third day Jesus was resurrected even though they had slaughtered him and cut him down. It didn't make sense when this resurrection happened and the apostles believed and because of their belief they were persecuted and they walked around saying we will obey God rather than man. We will obey God in faith rather than back the sense of man. We will obey God even when it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense when God asks us to do something radical. And he carries us because he's a fierce warrior. Every time you stop, every time you question, every time you're persuaded by somebody else's sense, you're backing away from a life that makes no sense, but that is fierce. A life that allows you to step up. It doesn't make sense. That's okay. God is by your side. And he is the fierce warrior. If you had to stop every time it doesn't make sense, you'll never get anywhere by faith. The path to faithful obedience is to stop trying to make sense of it all. It doesn't need to make sense. At the end of it all, the outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is ours. At the end of the day, God is at the end of the day. We just have to take the moment that we're in and obey Him. You don't have to understand to obey. You don't have to know where it's going to end up to take the next step. You don't have to know where it's going to end up. You see, when we are obey humans, when a human being comes along to us and tells us, you need to sit in this seat, well, then we question, why? Well, what's it then? Why do I need to sit in that seat? 
because humans are in a state of trouble and transition. And they're never going to be able to see the end goal. They're never going to be able to see why they're telling you to do what they're doing. Usually when somebody tells you to sit in a specific seat, it's because they've been told to tell people to sit in specific seats. They are just obeying. But when they were briefed on why you needed to sit in that seat, they were told why. We need people to fill up from the front. We need people to sit on the left. We need people to sit on the right. There was a why. With God, we already have been given the why. We've already been provided the statements. We've already been provided the promises. He's already given us all of the things that we need to know as regards why we need to be obedient. We do not need need to ask God what's at the end of it all for us. This is not a bargain. This is not a negotiation. God is saying, I will give you good. I just need you to obey me today. I will let the walls come down. I just need you to obey me right now. I will make sure that problem is thrown into the sea if you will just obey me right now. Do what I ask you to do, even if it does not make any sense. And so the centurion and this boat with Paul and these, 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 these prisoners continue sailing. And we pick up a story in verse 13 of Acts chapter 27. When a light wind began, say, say with me, light wind. Say it at home, light wind. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought that they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called the Northeaster burst across the island and blew us out into sea. When God starts asking you to do the small things, when the small wind blows, obey the small winds, obey the small things. You see, it's so much easier to obey and course correct when the winds are blowing gently than at the height of a storm try and make transitional and trouble-like adjustments to our course. You see, the centurion, having just heard the word of God, as soon as those light winds started to blow, should have gone back to the captain, gone back to the owner, and said, the preacher, the word of God says that this wind is going to turn into a greater, fiercer storm. We need to take cover. We need to batten down the hatches. But you see what it says in Scripture? The sailors thought that they could make it. Ever had that? God speaks to us, but we think that our reasoning and our plan is better than God's. And we think that we can make it. Obedience, when it's small, is easier than when it blows up. When it blows up, we are a wreck. Never ever make a decision in a point of weakness. Never ever make a decision when the storms are blowing. Make decisions with God when the winds are blowing gently. Course correct with God all the time when the seas are calm and you won't have to sail through a storm. Even when you think you're making progress on your own strength, if it's not obedience to God, it's not going to end up well for you. I can build a business on my own, Pastor Craig. I have to cut some corners to make it work. I mean, you know what the taxes are like in my country. Well, if you're not being obedient, it's not going to end well. I've got this relationship that I've got this, this, this girl, and we've decided to move in together. I know it's not what God wants, but it's working out so well for us. You think that you can make it 
by disobeying the covenants of God. Why? Just because the world tells us that it's okay to fashion our lives in one way does not mean that the covenants of God are there to be broken. Oh, but Craig, I can enjoy the life that God has has created for me to have. I've, I've got all this wealth and I've got all this beautiful things happening in my life. I know that I, I kind of am addicted to certain things in my life. And, you know, I, I, I like to live on the wild side a little bit, but that's just what God created me to be. It's, it's just who I am. No, no, you can't enjoy life to the full with a fierce warrior standing alongside you and then not listen to what the fierce warrior is asking you to do. Oh, but Craig, I can stop at any time. I can quit this addiction at any time. You think you can make it. You think you're going to make it on your own. You think you can do it on your own. While the gentle winds are blowing, take heed of the word of God so you don't sail headlong into a storm. Acts chapter 27 and verse 13 continues the story. Now the winds were blowing. Now they realized that what the word of God had said was true. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and were driven along by the gale. Number two, remember we said that we will never, we will always be wanting to obey, even though, number one, it doesn't make sense. Number two, obey these gentle promptings. Don't ignore the warnings of God. The Spirit of God is a gentle warning, even in the height of a storm. He doesn't get frazzled by the storm. He doesn't get riled up by the situation. He will still speak peace into your life. He will still speak warnings into your life. He might say to you, hey, in this situation, you need to pay a little bit more attention here. You need to turn your heart back this way. You need to kind of stop doing that. You've lost your passion. You need to go back to your first love. You need to ask the why question and not answer the what. You need to to just get back with me. He's just going to prompt you and give you these small warnings. Here's what happens when we don't listen to those small warnings. The Spirit of God is not threatening you. Your situation is. You think that God is now disappointed with you because you've disobeyed Him. Disobedience to God doesn't result in His disappointment with you. It just results in more corrections, more guidance, more help, more honesty with Him if you'll have it. The sailors couldn't turn the ship around at this point. Now they were rushing headlong towards the storm and in the storm. It says in that scripture that they were driven along by the storm. Driven along. Have you ever felt like you're in your trouble and in your transition? You're just kind of on a roller coaster. You don't know what you're going to feel tomorrow. You don't know what you're feeling right now. You don't know what's happening with your finances. You don't know what's happening. And so you're just kind of driven along by life flailing as you fall through the storms of life. If you're floating through life, you're driven along by the storms of life. Making course corrections through gentle direction is so much easier than trying to hang on in the storm. Finally, number three, obey, don't try to make a plan. Just obey. Have a look at verse, Acts chapter 27 and verse 18. The next day as gale force winds continued to batter the ship. Ever felt like your problems continue to batter your ship? 
Every day it's another problem. It's another issue. And so the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. They started making a plan. Well, if we just lighten the load. And they started throwing. They even took some of the ship's tackle that they would need to sail in the next day. And they threw it overboard. Have you ever done that? Thrown a quality about yourself. Thrown something out with the window just to achieve and bring some sort of relief right now. You used to deem yourself an honest person. But when something happens to you, you tell a lie. You throw what what you need overboard for tomorrow, you throw it overboard today to bring some kind of relief. You try and make a plan yourself. You try and put together a plan yourself. But have a look at what happens. Acts 27 verse 20, the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. The storm just doesn't want to stop, does it? It's raining It's pouring, it's thunder, it's hail, it's lightning, it's dark. I can't even see any light in my life anymore. The stars are gone. Hope is gone. I tried making a plan on my own. In that distress, I tried to do what I thought should be done. I tried to make a plan in that distress. But here's the deal. When our plan fails, when our distress turns into despair, our hope goes with it. When we put a plan in place, instead of being obedient to the fierce warrior, our faith will go when our plans fail. Our hope is the one thing that we need to hold on to. Hope not in our plans, but no hope in the word that God, the fierce warrior, has said to us and that we are going to obey. In distress, don't try and make a plan on your own. Don't make a decision from a place of weakness. Rather turn to the fierce warrior who's right by your side, the one that can walk on the waters, the one that can calm the storms, the one that can open the seas, the one that can crumble walls. This is our fierce warrior that we need to turn to and we need to obey. In distress, don't make a knee-jerk decision. Turn to the Father in obedience and watch His ferocity change your situation in a heartbeat, even when it seems like the storm will not stop. Even when the stars of our lives seem to be dim and we don't even have light anymore. Even when you open the Bible seeking the stars, seeking the light, and you just can't find hope. That is when you need to be driven by the fierce warrior, not driven along with no hope by the seas of life. When we have no hope, no light to guide us, as long as we can turn to the fierce warrior and put down our own plan and obey what he has asked us to do, we will be restored. Because you see, obedience restores. Obedience restores. You might have lost some money. You might have lost some moments in your life. You might have lost some people in your life. You might have lost some peace in your life. Hey, you might have even, like me, lost some brain cells in your life because of your behavior. But here's what the Lord says. Lean into me. Lean into me. Obey me. Listen to me. Have a look at what it says in Acts chapter 27, uh, verse 21. Men, you should have listened to me in the first place. And here all along, I thought that the apostle Paul was a man. That sounds very much like a woman. Men, you should have listened to me in the first place, especially when I'm looking for directions. My wife will turn to me, you see, you should have listened to me in the first place. 
Men, listen to me in the first place. That's what God is saying to us all today. Listen to me in the first place. When the gentle winds are blowing, listen to me. And then have a look at what it says. But now, at the height of the storm, he says to these men, now take courage. Not one of you will lose your lives. You might have lost things, but God says you will not lose your life. Even though the ship will go down, things will get worse. Things might look completely terrible. God has your life in the palm of his hand, and he will not cause you to falter. Even if you've been obedient in the past, the ship can be falling around about you. In that moment, all you have to do, tell me what to do, Lord, and the answer is yes. Tell me what to do, Lord. He says, don't be afraid. Take courage, he says in verse 25. Not one of you will be lost. 1 Timothy 2 verse 4 puts it like this, that God wants everyone to be saved. Don't worry about your past inability to hear and obey God. Right now, in this moment, can I be obedient? What is God asking me to do right now in this moment? I might have messed it up in the past. The boat might be falling around me and it might be falling apart around me. But the only way to combat the cycle of disappointment is to combat it with the cycle of obedience. Obedience restores it's not about the boat. The boat will be shipwrecked. The business might go down. The, the relationship might have to break up for a while before it can be restored. But if your hope is in your ability, your own plan, when your plan is interrupted, your faith will fail. Your hope is in your circumstance. So God says, I've got to break your circumstance apart so that your hope can be in me. But notice what Paul says about obedience. He says, take courage. It takes courage to be obedient in a storm. It takes courage to walk up in the middle of a storm and look at the sailors and go like Jonah did, throw me overboard. It takes courage to stand up and say your faith has been in the boat and not in the promises of God. The boat will no longer float but your hope in God and in the fierceness of who He is in your life is something that you can always take to the bank. Just because you haven't been listening to the fierce warrior in the past, just because your boat is falling apart around you, just because your business is dying, just because your bank account is sinking, it does not matter. God says, in this moment, in this moment, obey me and watch what I will do for you. I do not wish for you to drown. Everyone will be saved. He has begun a good work in you. He who began that good work in you will be faithful to complete it, despite your circumstance. All he asks of you for good things to start happening in your life is start obeying the good word he is speaking into your situation. Listen and obey now rather than at the height of a storm. But if you get to a storm, listen and obey and watch him settle that storm. God will always finish what he starts. He has started something in you and he is going to finish it. This world will not be able to rob you of your life before God has turned that life into something beautiful. 
Let's pray together as we just seek God and ask Him to direct us. Maybe you're in a situation right now where God is gently blowing you and you need to be obedient. Maybe you're in a storm right now and you need to be obedient. Well, as we pray together, I ask and pray that you are obedient to God's promptings right now. The very first thing right now in this moment He's asking you is to be obedient to Him. And he asks you right now in this moment, receive my son, Jesus Christ, as your Lord and your Savior. You don't know what that means. It makes no sense. Even the word Savior, you're going to have to go and look up maybe. It makes no sense. But God isn't asking you to make sense. God is asking you to obey. He will shine enough light on the next step as he needs you to take the next step. He is the fierce warrior. It does not need to make sense. So as you accept Jesus Christ, you're not accepting Jesus Christ into your life. No, you are being obedient to the fierce warrior when you say yes to Jesus he has placed Jesus on offer, and he's asked you to please receive it. So let's just take a moment. As you click on that banner below me, click on the link in the chat room, I'd love to reach out to you. If that was you, if you have decided today to be obedient to God by receiving Jesus into your life for the first time, we want to celebrate the fact that you possibly have dodged and avoided a major storm in the rest of your life by taking a decision today that will change the course of your life. You are an amazing, amazing person, and God knows that, and He wants to give you something even more amazing, His love, His grace, His purpose, His promise, and all that starts with when your heart prompts you to make a response, you are obedient to the call. Click on that banner right now. A little pop-up will come up, and I'd love to get with you personally and start that journey as we sail together, storm or calm water, obedient to God with Jesus at the helm. And so, Father, we just thank you that people all over the world right now are making decisions to say, yes, I want to obey your command. I am receiving you into my life. And from this moment forward, I am not going to be obedient and persuaded by the things of the world. I'm going to be obedient and persuaded by you. It doesn't need to make sense. I just want to be obedient to you. Thank you for changing my life. Thank you for re-engineering everything. At the height of the storm, you were there for me. And I receive you into my life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Maybe you are in a place right now where you received Jesus a long time ago, but the storms of life have really weighed in on you. You've made some decisions that kind of made sense, that was the right thing to do, or so you thought. And the gentle winds have slowly picked up, and all of a sudden you find yourself in a mess, in a place of transition and trouble, and now there's greater storms blowing. Well, if that is you, we'd love to reach out to you through prayer. Right now, there are prayer warriors standing by in the chat room. And all you need to do is click on live prayer, the live prayer button. And we would love to pray with you and help you see what it is that God is asking of you to be obedient to quell the storm. This is your time. We're going to give you some time to reflect, work with other people, and just enjoy knowing that God is right alongside you. He is fierce. He wants the walls to come down. He wants the storms to be calmed because He just needs you to be obedient. May you know that God, the most fierce warrior, is by